following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Well, how is everybody doing on a Sunday? You doing good? That was better than I anticipated, I'm not going to lie, especially for the early service. I thought it would still be a little sleepy. You guys are a little energetic this morning. This is good, which means we're off to a great start, okay? Things can only go down from here. No, I'm kidding. Hey, this is really random and has nothing to do with anything other than, uh, have you ever had one of those days where you just need a good laugh? You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know where to go to get a good laugh, I'm going to give you a pro tip, okay? Go to a roller skating rink and just sit down. Don't put roller skates on. Just sit down and watch people. My son had a birthday party yesterday to go to at a roller skating rink. And, y'all, it was some of the funniest stuff that I've ever witnessed in 37 years of walking this earth. To watch my nine-year-old, who's fairly athletic, but not just him... Full-blown adults, I'm talking like job-holding, minivan driving, look like baby giraffes out there. It was, I mean, coming out of nowhere, I'm standing there trying to watch Windsor, and here comes a a 35-year-old at 90 miles an hour, doesn't know how to stop this thing, just boom, just smashes right into the wall. And I did what any good pastor would do. I laughed as loud and as hard as I could. And it, it really wasn't because I was trying to be rude. It was because there was just no other option. I mean, that was the only thing you could do. So if you've had a bad day, maybe on a Monday, maybe Mondays aren't your thing. Just when you get off work, just go to a roller skating rink and just enjoy yourselves. I told you it had absolutely nothing to do with anything. So we're preaching today how to rollerblade in a crazy world. Just kidding. We're in uh, the middle of a series called Dreamers, Inc., and we're going to dive into the Word of God today. Pastor Johnson kicked off the series last week, and I'm going to continue it today. And if you would do me a favor, really do the Word of God a favor, would you stand as we read the Word of God together just out of reverence for His Word Um, If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Genesis. If you don't know where Genesis is, just start flipping. It's the first first one you get to there, okay? Um, And if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Genesis chapter 37, starting with verse number 1. And we're going to talk about perhaps one of the most uh, famous dreams that would take place throughout the Word of God. And it reads like this, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger. In the land of Canaan. This is a history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flocks with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. If we have any expecting mothers in the house today, I'm just going to throw those names out there for, for potential. Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Joseph was a snitch in this moment. And now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. He was his baby boy. Also, he made him a tunic, as we know, as we call it frequently, a coat 
of many colors. But when his brothers, you can imagine this, saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably. They had nothing nice to say to the boy. And now Joseph, here we go, this is kind of where we're, we're jumping in. Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Uh, two strikes here, Joseph. He said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. They were there, there we were, binding sheaves. They were binding grain or wheat in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed, I love this, indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. This is great. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed, are, are you telling us that you're going to reign over us? Are you telling me that you're going to have dominion over us? And they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. You can be seated. For those of you that have siblings, have you ever, can you just imagine having a dream of this magnitude and looking at your brothers and sisters and saying, hey, guess what, bud? I love you. But there's going to come a day when you're going to worship me and I'm your baby brother. Can you just imagine how that would go? Just imagine how that conversation would go. Would it end well? It probably would not end very well. And here's what I know about life. Life doesn't go in the direction that you wish it would go. Just because you wish it doesn't mean that your life follows the wishes of your heart and of your mind. In fact, life doesn't go in the direction of what you just hope will happen. Well, I hope. I just, I hope. Well, life doesn't follow all of your hopes. Life goes in the direction of your faith. And you can't have faith without having a dream, a picture of what you're believing God to do in your world. And, and I made mention of this several weeks ago, and I want to kind of bring it back full circle here because of its relevance to our topic today. But one of the, the great travesties of life that we do for, we, we place in the lives of our children is this phrase that, that you can be anything that you want to be. And, and you can do anything that you set your heart to and your mind to. We all say this. We've heard this. Maybe you had a, a teacher or a coach um, say this to you. And I'm sure that they were well-meaning. But, but hi, my name's Brad. I'm your local pastor. And I'm here to crush all of your hopes and dreams. You cannot be anything that you want to be. And you can't do anything that you want to do. Don't you feel encouraged this morning? Come on. Woo! <laughs> You're ready to, to just take on the world. Let's go. No. If you're my height, which is right at 5'10", on a good day, you can work out as much as you want. You can shoot as many baskets as you want. You can take steroids, you can bang trash cans, whatever you want to do, you are not going to be an NBA center. It's not going to happen. You may make it to the NBA, but you're not going to be an NBA center. You can't be everything that you want to be. And for some of us, listen, some of us, 
We're believing God to fulfill a dream that's not from God. So you have a dream, and I want to propose this question to you this morning. By the way, it's great to have dreams and desires and hopes, but here's my question for you. Have you submitted your dream to be corrected by God? If the dream that you're pursuing, I've just come to lift your faith a little bit more this morning, uh, right from the beginning of our time together. If the dream that you're pursuing is not from God, stop following that dream. Don't you feel encouraged? Man, this is such an encouraging, uplifting message this morning. I know that you, you just feel your faith rising in this moment. But I do have a bit of encouraging news for you today, and it's this. That the dream that he has for you is so much greater than the dream that you're concocting and forming in your mind. The one that he's got in mind for you is so much better than the one that you can come up with on your own. But but it's so true of humanity, isn't it, that, that we insist on holding on to things that perhaps are not of God. Almost as if God was going to take something from us only to give us something worse. Like, Does that sound like the God that you serve? Not at all. He, he's not going to take something from you to only put something worse in your... Do you think the, the Savior that died on the cross is going to take something from you only to replace it with something that is not as great in mind? No, he's, he's not going to do that. But, but we hold on to our hopes and to our dreams and to the things that, that we think are, are good and right for our life. What he has in mind for you is greater than anything that you could ever imagine. And for some of us, listen, some of us, we need to dump our dreams all together because it's, it's not of God. And for others of us, we have a dream from God, but now is just not the right time. We, we fall into these different categories, and, and I don't want you in this moment to, to fall into the trap that our, our, our study today, Joseph, fell into because his position was that when God gave him a dream, he, he dumped it into his heart and into his spirit, but he went and told the wrong person. That was what Joseph did, was, was tell the wrong people in his life. I'm going to stand up in front of my brothers. This, you know, I don't know how that looked when he stood in the mirror and said, yeah, this is what we're going to go do today. I'm going to go find my brothers, and I'm going to tell them about my dream. As if they were going to be excited about the dream that Joseph had. But instead, we should do with our dreams what, what Mary did. Remember Mary, the mother of Jesus, what she did with the thing that God had placed inside of her, this, this hope, this, this dream, right? The, do, you, do you remember what, what happened in her story? The Bible says that, that different people, the priests and even shepherds came and they said that this son that you have, he's royalty, he's the king of kings and he's the lord of lords. And Watch what the Bible says. Mary didn't tell anybody. Instead, she harbored these words in her heart. So, so God, this could be, this, this just might be anything. It, it might be bigger than anything 
that I've ever even dreamed about or hoped for. Like I couldn't even know to hope for something this big. Because when you allow God to place something in your life, can I tell you, he's never going to put something in you that's worse than what you had before. In fact, it's, it, it begins to be things that you couldn't even begin to concoct. You couldn't put together a story so great that he wants to write in your life. If only you'll let go of the dreams that perhaps you're holding on to and see what it is that God might want to do in your life. And so my goal today is not to crush your dreams. Now that, That's not my goal at all. My goal is to help you move from having only a dream, but making it a reality that you are living and that you're walking, that you're walking out the things that God has placed in your heart so that when you're 95 years old or 105 years old and you look back on your life, you don't say, man, I had a lot of hopes and dreams. But you look and you say, wow, God placed a lot of things inside of me. And look what it was that we walked out together. Look, look at the amazing destiny that we walked into together because God placed some things inside of me. And so I want to help you this morning understand a few things about your dreams and about the things that God has placed in your life, and, and if you're taking notes, this would be the first one this morning, is that every dream has a process. Every dream has a process, and so I would encourage you today to recognize and value the process. Recognize and value the process. Every dream takes time, and every dream that you have, listen, it will come to pass if it's from God, but it might not be tomorrow. If God's placed it in your, in your life, listen, you can hold to the fact that he's going to fulfill his word, but it just might not be in the next 30 seconds. <laughs> Dreams don't generally come true li like that and in the fashion that we think that they should. But what's beautiful about a, a dream is that really you can kind of interchange that with the word, the destiny that God has for me, right? The, the things that I'm stepping into. And when you, when you begin to think about the word destiny, that, that seems to infer um, a destination, doesn't it? When you think about the destiny that God has for you, it infers a destination. And destination speaks about something where? In the distance. A little bit further off in the future, if it was right here, it wouldn't be your destination, it would be your location, right? It would be where you, where you currently are, and so the simple fact that it's called a destination means that there's, there's a trip, that there's some distance, that there's a journey, there's some time before what God has placed in your heart comes to pass. Do I have any, any parents in here who have ever had children? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of you. This was not a trick question. People were like, I don't know what to do. Now, I, I want to ask the husbands a very important and simple question. Not a trick question, so don't worry on this one. Husband, after you found out that you guys were pregnant... 
did you call home every single day and ask your wife if she's had the baby yet? Hey, baby, we're two weeks into this. Uh, did you have that baby yet? No! We, we don't do that unless you're an annoying husband, which might be. I don't know. And the first thing that you learn, right, this is, they don't teach you this in school. If you're a teacher and you're in health class or wherever you teach this stuff, I don't even remember you need to teach this because as an expecting parent back in the day, one of the first things that I learned is that you're not pregnant for nine months. It's really ten months. All the, the ladies who have birthed children said a good amen. <laughs> it's, it's a ten-month process. In fact, your doctor, I would uh, imagine wouldn't want that baby to be born very early, right? Why? Because there's development that needs to be come about, right? There's things that need to continue to be formed. Sure, there may be something inside of you, but it's not developed to the, to the degree that it needs to be developed. In fact, the doctor would want your baby to go full term... So that your baby is healthy enough to sustain what it's stepping into. You don't want to rush the process. And so is every dream that God has placed in your life. God, if you'll allow me to use this, has impregnated your faith with possibility. Habakkuk chapter 2 says this, it is for an appointed time. An appointed time. So don't rush the process. Don't rush what God wants to do in your world. And you can become so consumed in what God has for you tomorrow that you're forfeiting what he's placed inside of you for today. But there's something, there's something about this passage that I, I want to draw your attention to that, that drew me in. In Genesis 37 and 1, it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. Which tells us that, that Jacob's family wasn't very well known in this area. He was a stranger. He was a nobody. He didn't have influence. They didn't have status, right? That he, he was in a land of Canaan where he was a, a stranger. And not only... Not only was Joseph from a family of nobodies in this land, but Joseph was also the youngest, right? Joseph, Joseph was the youngest. Benjamin would be born uh, much later into an insignificant family. And you think about the dream that Joseph had, and it's no wonder that he had the dream that he had. And it's no wonder that he interpreted it the way that he interpreted it. Here he is, a young man from an insignificant family, the last born who's got a lot of people in front of him that he's uh, clawing and fighting just to, just to stay alive, to get some validity, to get people to look at him, to get people to see him, to get people to notice him. But watch what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 9 says. This is, this is beautiful. It says, we prophesy in part. What does that tell me? Here, here's what it tells me. 
That sometimes the dreams that we have, even dreams from God, become diluted with our humanity. We prophesy in part, and and I believe that that Joseph, because of his his life circumstances, that maybe it could have been that Joseph had this deep desire to be known because he was from a land of nobodies. He had no status. He was the younger brother that just had to fight and claw just to be seen, to be significant. And I want want everybody to bow down to me. You're going to worship. You're going to worship me. And here's what I've discovered, is that when my dream is motivated by something that I'm running from, it will steal my ability to enjoy the process of it being fulfilled. And so what happens, and we probably don't even realize this, but we do this every single day just about is that we, we make these inner commitments, really, that, that maybe you don't speak, but you, you've just determined in your heart that this is the way that it's going to be. And, and it's driving us past this place of healthiness and this place of peace and joy. Perhaps you grew up in a family, let's talk for a second, where you saw your, your parents work themselves silly just to provide for you. But at the end of their lives, they had nothing to show for what do we what do we do? What's the, the natural response to that? It's pretty pretty easy without even realizing it. We're trying to not be what we've seen. Right? We're, we're, we're making this inner commitment to ourselves that says, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be like that. It's not gonna happen to me. I'm not gonna be insignificant. I don't want my kids to have to, to claw and fight to be seen and to be known. And if we're not careful, it will drive us to miss out on the process and enjoy the process from the dream to the fulfillment of the dream. Because every dream has a process. So be encouraged today. I don't know where you are. I don't know what God has downloaded into your spirit. But if you have not seen it come to pass today, can I tell you, every dream has a process. The second thing that I want to show you this morning about your dream is this, is that every dream faces adversity. Every dream faces adversity. Every dream, let me say it this way, that is of worth. Every dream worth pursuing and chasing down comes with struggles and battles and setbacks. This is the way that it works. And and, and Pastor Brad, why do you say worth going after and and pursuing? Here's why. Because I believe that every dream from God, listen, is about expanding the kingdom of God in some form or fashion. And the enemy's goal is to stop God's kingdom from expanding. And so what happens, the enemy or Satan opposes whatever God is doing here on earth. And so can I just tell you, whenever I'm pursuing dreams that God has in my heart and I'm not facing opposition, that's when I get worried. When everything is just rolling so smoothly, I know know that the enemy is trying to defy what God is doing on earth. And I know that that I, I think that God has placed dreams and hopes inside of me. And if I'm not facing opposition, then I start to wonder, is this 
of me or is this of God? If your dream is from God, adversity is normal. (laughs) So you have a dream of being married, huh? Of finding Mr. and Mrs. Wright. And the God who is rich in mercy has placed this person finally in your life. The person that you've been waiting for and dreaming for. I don't know where that came from. That... And you're so excited, and, and you have, we're going to tie the knot, and we're going to just skip through a field of roses for the rest of our life, because this is the person that God has placed. We're going to have five children, and we're all going to link arms together like the postcard that you see, and we're going to skip together in a field of roses. It's going to be beautiful. But, but then those babies are actually born. And those little gifts from God that seem so sweet and perfect in your rose-filled dream leave you feeling like if we can ever just get out of the house one time, it will be a miracle from heaven. And instead of rose fields that you're skipping through, all you can think about is a minivan filled with burp cloths and bottles and pacifiers and car seats and dirty diapers and wipies. And what happens? Now you're spending more time with the kids and that sweet one that God has placed in your life hasn't received the the same attention that he or she used to receive before the kids were here and now perhaps a bit of distance has come and now maybe there's a little tension in the relationship. Frustrations begin to rise. Money is a little bit tighter because you got to buy strollers now. By the way, I got one for sale if anybody needs one. It's on Craigslist. No, I'm kidding. You know what? I feel like one of the reasons that people are abandoning marriages so often in this day and age is because they forget the fact, listen, that struggling is normal. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean it's not God's will and it's not from God. You hit opposition in marriage, you hit some contention, you hit a a season of struggle, and we start saying goofy stuff, y'all. Goofy stuff. Well, well, you're not the person that I fell in love with, and you're not the person that I fell in love with. Yeah, it's called maturity. It's called change. The older you get, the more mature you get, and you change as you get older, but it still doesn't mean that he or she is not from God, and it's not God's will for y'all to be together. You're just in a season of struggle, and guess what? Any season of struggle is worth fighting for if it's a good thing. You don't think Cassie and I fight? Y'all. Somebody asked us that one time. You guys seem like you never fight. 
well, it's not crazy. But can I tell you, we have our seasons of disagreement and where we don't understand each other. She's a woman. How can I understand her, y'all? I love you. I've fallen out of love. That's great. Fall back in love. Start doing the things that you used to do, and you're going to fall back in love. Sorry. All right. I'll get off my soapbox. Struggling is normal if you're building something great. Come on, there's a lot of great marriages that are being built here. And if you're in a season of struggle, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep going. God's going to bring the victory. Back to the story, Big Mouth Joseph. Y'all going to bow down and worship me, huh? Oh, really? Oh, no, 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 we're, we're not going to do that. No, in fact, uh, his brothers say, no, we're going we're gonna to kill you. Joe. That's what we're going to do. They weren't good church folk people. But though there was one brother who was a, a decent, he was like a, he attended church on Christmas and Easter only. He says, no, we're not going to be murderers. We're just going to sell him into slavery. That's much better. Thank you, godly man, Judah. You're such a man of God. And so they take him. And now he's, a, he's sold as a slave in Egypt where he ends up in Potiphar's house. And I'm going to move quickly through this. But he, he's re, he starts to rise to power. But in this moment, Potiphar's married to one of those desperate housewives. And Potiphar goes on a business trip. And she invites Joseph into her chambers. And she tries to make a move on Joseph. And Joseph says, no, 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 not today, Satan. And he begins to run out of her chambers. But she grabs his coat. And she's got it as proof that he has been in there. And then she says, oh, that's how you feel. You don't like me. And so she makes up a lie about him that he, he tried to force herself, uh, himself upon her. And so now a Hebrew slave who is nobody, who's going to listen to him? Nobody. The next thing you know, Joseph gets thrown into prison. And now he's in prison, and I'm moving quickly. You can read the story, and he's blessed. He's got God's favor on his life, and so he becomes the lead prisoner. <laughs> of course. This is awesome. Joseph then would interpret the dreams by the butler and the baker who happened to find themselves in prison as well. Shortly thereafter, the butler finds himself restored to his position. Two years would go by, y'all. Joseph still is in prison, and Pharaoh has his own dream that needs to be interpreted. The butler who was in prison that had his dream interpreted by Joseph remembers Joseph in that moment, tells Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, go get Joseph, bring him to me said all that quickly, didn't I? You following along? That was like fast forward times 16. <laughs> and Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And before long, now Joseph is being promoted. He's, he's out of prison and now Pharaoh is saying, this is, this is my guy right here. And God's favor is still upon Joseph throughout the process. And about this time, as Joseph is rising to power, great famine hits the land. Genesis chapter 42 and 5 says this, And the sons of Israel, which were Joseph's brothers, there was a famine. They go to buy land. 
where Joseph is, among those who journeyed for the famine, was in the land of Canaan. And now Joseph, y'all, was the governor. Joseph had made it. He had come through the process, right? And now he had made it. He finally got to the place where he was second in command of all of Egypt. And he was the one who would buy and sell the grain to all the people of the land. He was in charge of all of, all of Egypt's grain. So watch this. The dream is coming to pass. And Joseph's brothers came to him and bowed down before him. Where do you come from? He said, we come from Canaan. We've come to buy food. Famine hits the land. Egypt is the only place that had food to buy. Joseph's brothers and their families were starving to death. They come to Egypt to buy the grain. They had forgotten about their little baby brother. They thought their baby brother was dead and they didn't even recognize him in this moment because he looked like an Egyptian. And the word of God says that they got on their face and they bowed down saying, remember this dream, right? That we come to buy food. Here's the problem. Joseph slightly misinterpreted his dream. He saw all of their sheaves bowing down to his, and he said, you guys are going to worship me. But he missed the fact that all these sheaves were grain, and I'm getting close to finishing. But the dream was not about his brothers bowing down and worshiping him. No, the dream was about God putting him in a position where his family wouldn't have to starve to death because this was the only grain, because his grain was still standing upright and he was going to now be able to feed his entire family, which leads me to the third thing that you have to understand about your dream, and it's this, that every dream isn't all about me. Every dream isn't all about me. In fact, Joseph, it was never about you being powerful and having people fall and worship you. It was always about God saving your family, Joseph. That's, that's what the dream was always about. And dreams don't always appear on the surface to be what they really are underneath the water. Because when we first get a dream, we tend to approach them with immaturity. We make the dream about me and how I can succeed and, and climb the ladder and conquer and do all these amazing, I can't wait to get married, have kids, get a job, finally have money one day. You know why God wants you to have money? That's fine, by the way. God's not opposed to you making a good living. But it's not so that you can get wealthy and hold it in your pockets and say, Woo, look what I've done. Uh, no. It's so that your children and your children's children and your children's children's children can walk out and live in purpose the dreams that God has placed in their life. And they don't have to live with a financial burden. They can walk into purpose and walk out their destiny because of what was fulfilled in your life. It was never, it was never about you and it was never about me. 
me say this and then I'll have you stand. God's main goal wasn't to get to you. His main goal is to get through you. Would you stand with me? So I ask you this morning, can, can you dream, listen, can you dream for your kids? Can you dream for your spouse? Can you dream for the kingdom of God? So that people can come to know Jesus in a, in a real and a tangible way. Can you dream beyond yourself? Because if your dream is only about you, I would posture this morning that perhaps that just might not be a dream from God. Or you've prophesied in part and your humanity has misinterpreted what God has placed in your heart. And as we stand in this moment, I don't pretend to have it all figured out. But here's what I do know. That God won't give you a kingdom dream unless you give him your life. Until you totally sell out. I'm not, listen, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about just coming to church on Sundays. That's great. And you need to be here. We need to be here together. But I'm talking about on Monday morning. When you find yourself in a place that says, I can't make it. If I don't have you, that place of surrender where God, I trust you with my family. If everything that I've accomplished in my life goes away, Lord, and I've still got you, I've got all that I need. So maybe you're yet to have this kingdom-minded dream. Maybe your first step today is to not just repeat a simple prayer. But to say, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. In your own words, you say something flows from your heart that says, God, I give you everything that I have. And y'all, I'm telling you, there is so much found in a life lived for Jesus Christ. And there's so much more. If you've never been water baptized, maybe that's your next step. Maybe you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, there is no greater joy in all the world to live a spirit-filled life. So maybe you've never sold out to God. I, I want to give you an opportunity to do that in this moment. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And you, you can pray that prayer, but here's what I would really like. For you to find words in your own life that makes sense to you. A moment of commitment. Says God, I, I want a God-given dream and I want to live it out. But before I do that, I want to wholly, wholeheartedly surrender to you. Lord, we love you. God, I worship you. And in this moment, God, I thank you for as we opened your word today, you speaking through, through your lowly servant today, God, about the dreams that you've placed in our life.
And God, there's some unbelievably talented, incredible people that are under the sound of my voice today who are doing amazing things in the business world and in the community. But Lord, before we continue with all that, can we just have a time out, just a moment where we surrender ourselves to you. And it looks something like this, y'all. Lord, I surrender every aspect of my life to you. I lay down all of my hopes and all of my dreams and I pick up and I receive everything that you would have for me, God, because your dreams for my life are so much greater than the dreams that I can concoct myself. And so I surrender my life to you. I give you every aspect of me and I commit today that whatever are my next steps from this moment forward, I'm not stopping short. I want everything that you have for me, Lord. And Lord, this this simple yet profound step of faith that so many are taking today, God, I just believe that this is going to be the foundation of some amazing God-given dreams that people are going to walk into with everything that they have. And here's the key. Lord, we're going to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And somebody said a good amen. Amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for Jesus today? Yeah. So every day when you wake up, come on, why don't you find yourself in a place of surrender? God, I surrender this day to you. As that before I go into the office, I surrender my will to you. Whatever you want to do in me today, it's your day. It's not my day, Lord. That's how we start our tomorrow. That's how we wake up on Monday morning, y'all. You got a little bit of homework. That's it for you. Hey, don't forget, Wednesday night, right back here. Solomon's Secrets. It's going to be a great word. I'm excited about what God's doing in his house and through his people. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you on Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your weekend.